Welcome once again to We Muse Aloud, a podcast where anonymous voices share their thoughts on a theme within a dreamscape of music and ambient sound. This is episode 6. It's about the city of Toronto, which is located on the shore of Lake Ontario. It is the largest city in Canada, and the provincial capital of the province of Ontario. Today's contributing voices are young millennials living in various neighborhoods in Toronto, and they speak on those neighborhoods, as well as their opinions on life in their city. It is in no way a complete representation of the entire city, as Toronto contains a multitude of struggles and experiences and realities well beyond what is discussed here. As always, We Muse Aloud is best enjoyed on headphones. And now, Episode 6, Toronto. Toronto as a city, you mean? Like, um... I remember thinking downtown was like Bloor and Bathurst, <laughs> and like going to like efforts to like look cool to like really more edgy to like blend in. I, I always loved it. I like I like being here. So actually, my dad had lived here back in the '80s for a couple years. Um, he he moved up here from New York in 1980. I want to say 1979 or 1980 to open the first Covenant House location. Um, so he had been working for, at the time it wasn't called Covenant House or it had just become Covenant House, but he was working for the location in Times Square in New York. And they were looking to expand um, and they were kind of assessing where the greatest needs were. And there was a, a priest here in Toronto who had who had heard about, their, it was the Franciscan Order. So there was a Franciscan priest here who heard about the program in Times Square. And he had written the head, like the head of the program, and said, please come to Toronto. We have a real need. Um, and everyone in New York thought that was a joke because everyone thought of Canada as such a socially liberal country. Like, how could there be homeless kids? Everyone takes care of everybody up there. And it's too cold to be homeless. Like, so they sent my dad up to investigate. Um, and I think he came up with one other person. And they did a walk around overnight up and down Young Street. And after one night, they were like, it's desperate. Like, they need a program. So they sent dad and another person to open the first house on George um, and Gerard. And he lived here for two years getting it off the ground. So I had been brought up as a very young kid. When I was six years old, I first visited, barely remember it, just to visit some of his old friends. And then, um, Throughout high school, we came in for a couple weekends over the summer because our dear family friends have a place out in Muskoka where we would go for like a week. And then because we were so nearby, dad just couldn't resist coming into Toronto. So I had visited um, maybe a total of four times before I moved here myself. Particularly my, when my parents, when I was young, I was, I was an only kid until I was about five. And then we moved to Ronsonsville's uh, around the time my, my brother Amadeo came into the picture. So that was the time when that neighborhood was kind of kind of rough 
lot of artists in the and 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 drug and drug dealers and prostitutes. Uh, I remember there being like uh, basically like a prostitute house uh, on the corner of our of our street parkway, and um, <laughs> we usually didn't go out a lot at night. Um, but now the neighborhoods changed quite drastically. Um, it's a completely different world. But I remember as a kid, being a little kid and being outside and playing around, there were a lot of older couples on my street, not a lot of families. So I would be playing outside and I was used to saying hello to people on our previous street on Eileen. And I used to remember like waving at all these old Polish Eastern European couples and they would just sort of ignore me. And I remember being really sad and sort of upset and frustrated. and. That was the only thing that kind of really peeved me because I was so used to people saying hello and being sort of sort of cordial But we were sort of seen as like the weird outsiders uh, the, the wacky like loud Italian family So it, it kind of was like a weird thing now. It's so different. My brothers have grown up in us on us on the same street, but They live in a completely different world. There's so many young families many from very diverse backgrounds um, and uh, it's just funny because whenever I go back there and I see what the neighborhood is like now, particularly that street, it's, it was so different for me as a kid. Yeah, I have family in the city and um, my dad's family is from Oshawa. And so I'd been here several times as a kid, but always in sort of like the day trip capacity. So we'd come to see a show or have dinner or go to a ball game or something when I was visiting from out east. but. I had never spent any sort of lengthy amount of time here before I moved here permanently. I don't remember it well enough to know. Like I, in, a, in high school, I remember thinking it's so metropolitan because coming from Pittsburgh, so small, so shitty at that time. Like Pittsburgh was so gross back then. <laughs> Nothing like the reputation it has now. And also when you're a teenager, you just hate the place you're from. You're just angsty to get out. So coming to Toronto felt like it was kind of, it, it felt like, oh my God, this is such a big city and there were so many different kinds of people here. I was really excited initially to be here um, and then I sort of immediately had this really strong homesickness that I'd made a terrible choice and that I was in way over my head and I'd come from someplace much smaller and so I have like this very distinct memory of like my third or fourth day at school. Um, so I came here for school and walking along Bloor Street on a Friday night in the annex and just being terrified. And there's being like masses of young men and women on the street and feeling so uncomfortable and so out of place in this, uh, in a spot. And I went to a Blockbuster. I remember the time when I just like rented a movie from Blockbuster because I didn't know what else to do with myself. Yeah, I never meant to move to Toronto for school. <laughs> it was a total, it was, I call it like a, a choice by accident or like the choice I never made um, because I meant to go to Boston or New York for school. And just being very, very nervous and not, not being used to like the volume of people around. I think it was much harder than I anticipated it being. I thought um, there would be a really kind of built-in school community because that's what you get in the States. Um, and it just does not translate. Not in Toronto anyway. I'm sure it does in the schools kind of outside of Toronto. Um, but in this city this large and with the campus being right downtown and um, so many students commuting and so many students being international, I just feel like there's there's just no built-in campus life. Not, it's not an automatic community. Well, because it's a university, so it's in the middle of the city, which is really rare and strange. 
um, and it, I think it seems like almost like a little city in, a, in and of itself, because it is, essentially. Um, but you know, as soon as you stop going to school, I think you probably don't go out of your way necessarily to like walk through campus. Um, so I, I lived on residence. There was a bit of a community there. I certainly met like some wonderful friends there. Um, but I also kind of made the assumption like it's not, I'm not really leaving the States. <laughs> like it's not like I'm flying across an ocean. <laughs> and I just underestimated the cultural differences. So I would say it was a much rougher transition than I anticipated. I started two days before Frosh happened. Um, and then, so yeah, it was like super highly pitched young people, booze, making out, everything. And uh, I was so unprepared for that and so not into it either. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was really, I was so overwhelmed in that first sort of go. Uh, and settled in really not until maybe six months later, yeah. And it was also like her, like I, the, the thing I remember the most is the way people responded to me when, I, when they heard I was American, which I just didn't realize could work against me or for me, depending on who I was talking to, but it was something I had to adjust to and tread a line with. Um, I remember meeting people and, you know, I guess specifically Australians because they're everywhere um, and people finding out that I was from Canada and first like apologizing for assuming I was American. <laughs> so there was one guy who I ended up sitting next to at like an orientation event and he he asked where I was from and I said, oh, I'm from Pittsburgh. It's like five and a half hours away. And he was like, yeah, I heard an accent. And just the way he said it, I was like, oh no. Like, <laughs> go. And then his next question was, are you a cheerleader? And I was like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? I have never in my life been asked that fucking question. Is that supposed to be related to, are you American? Like, I just could not believe the leap he made from learning I was American to going, are you a cheerleader? I was like, all right, that's shutting that down. And then they would ask, you know, they'd, they'd just be like, oh, are you from BC? Are you from like Whistler? Are you from Vancouver? Because so many of them go to Whistler specifically to, you know, for ski season to do the work abroad. And I'd be like, oh, no, 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 I'm from Toronto. And it actually, like, I remember being really surprised at how many people didn't know where Toronto was or like that it was the biggest city in the country. And I was like, really? Toronto Film Fest, like International Film Festival, like Toronto and Jet, like, how do you not know? Toronto is like a center. There is a center, uh, like a, there's an energy about it, and I think other people who do come from other parts of the, the world, and, and I think even from other parts of Canada, when they are here, they, they usually, I think, see the, the, good, the good sides as well. I would say new, multicultural, very common to like a lot of other urban cities you may have been in, in that there are a lot of people in a small space and there's a public transit system that's not very good. I would say it's a very, it's a surprisingly dated public transit system. When you look at it, it's like being in a museum of the 70s of public transit. That is probably what, I think I have literally said those words to visitors who've been like, oh, your public transit system is so interesting. I'm like, yes, it looks like a museum. Um, St. George looks like it was ripped out of the 70s. It is unfortunate. Um, 
So I probably would use those words because I've done that already. I think it's my favorite city in the whole world. Like I, I, I love it more than any other place I've ever been. It's the only place I've ever lived in spite of the fact that I've lived in other places, you know, much longer and grew up in places. Like it's the only place I've ever felt that I was really at home. And it's the only place I ever want to go back to. You know, it feels, feels right. Um, I think it's a great city with a lot of issues, but I don't feel like our issues are unique at all. I think that um, a lot of things that make us great are unique, but a lot of things that suck are just part of living in a society with other humans. Um, people talk about, oh, Toronto sucks because of you know the transit, or Toronto sucks because of the people, and it's, you know people are people wherever you go. I would say that Toronto is the only city, in my experience, that feels like you can live in a small town within a city because of the neighborhood, the neighborhood names and the neighborhood um, states and the way they exist and how people know, like, I live on Queen West, I live in Parkdale, I live in the Annex, I live in Leslieville. Like, people know this about where they live in Toronto and they they are aware of their neighborhood situation. Um, on top of that, it becomes like a make or break when someone lives on the east or west end of the city and you want to date or something. Like it becomes, like there are all these little ways that the neighborhood aspect of Toronto really plagues you in your everyday life. But again, I can go on a tangent about that and I won't. Toronto's weird. Toronto, as I'm getting older, feels so small. It's a big city and like, I totally get if you're coming from somewhere else, especially if you're coming from a smaller town or, or a smaller city, which is every other place in Canada, um, that the city can feel really huge and big and overwhelming, but it's really, it's just not, I think Toronto, like, Toronto wants to feel like it's a bigger city than it is. And yeah, I think Toronto, like, Oh, like I love the city, but I also it feels like it's preening a bit sometimes. Like it's trying to like put on a show for for the rest of the world to like finally accept it and be like, okay, you're cool. You can sit with us. I I like Toronto. Like I think um, uh, I still like I still have a hard time believing I live here full time because it just never was meant. It wasn't part of my plan, so I have to kind of always adjust my thinking and be like, yeah, this is like life now. Like I have permanent residence and everything. There's no reason to think like anything's gonna change. So I still think of myself very much as like an outsider and um, and it's not really home. But that said, I get that brings kind of an interesting perspective because then I'm always looking at it as something like, I wonder why it's this way instead of just making the assumption it is this way because it is this way. Um, what I like about it the most is like definitely the food. I love the food here. Well, the food is so great in Toronto. There's so many great places to eat, but definitely one place that's very close into my heart because I used to go there all the time with my folks when I was a little kid was uh, Spadina Gardens. It's now actually closer to Young and Dundas. It's not as close to Spadina as it used to be. They moved ages ago, but they have like hands down the best ginger beef and um, the best hot and sour and uh, egg drop corn soup ever. And you can get these massive bowls and share them with as many people as possible. Um, and they're still around, they still exist and they're killing it. 
they're super popular now, but I remember they used to be like a hole in wall in Spadina. And um, I think, I think mostly the people are amazing. Like I really like my own politics have changed being surrounded by um, the progressives in Toronto. Um, and just, yeah, I think, I think there's a real general, generally a sense here of um, fairness and um, this attitude of like, well, if, if one person has that, it's only fair for everyone else to have that as well. And, you know, there's not as much um, animosity towards taxation. I think that's a really nice attitude to have. And, um, so that I really like. And those are kind of Canadian qualities, not just Toronto qualities. Um, and I really like the layout of the city. I love that we're on a big lake. Like I love being near water. Um, I think it's a really like, just to look at, it's a really beautiful city. Um, I live in Cedarvale, which is quite residential. I, I think it's, it's sort of on that border between Midtown and Downtown, very nebulous, like no zone. Um, <clears throat> And despite the fact along the main corridor, Bathurst is all rental, once you get off, it's all sort of million and multi-million dollar homes. Um, I really like living here, it's good. People are, my building in particular, people are really nice and it's got a great park nearby and it's not too far from the subway or, or transit. Um, I feel like it might, because it's almost like a commuter neighborhood in the middle of the city, like. There's no workplace here, so people don't spend their days here, and I feel like, as a result, it doesn't have as much personality, maybe as if you just went south to St. Clair West or, or to, uh, to Bloor Street or over to sort of Young and Egg. It doesn't have the same personality that these neighborhoods have. Uh, and so, you know, if I say Cedarvale to a lot of people who've lived here even a long time, they don't know what I'm talking about. So I say sort of, oh, Bathurst and Egg or, um, you know, Forest Hill-ish, uh, but it's it's a bit of a, yeah, it's like a commuter suburb, almost. It's it's not super populous. I mean, it's, it's not expensive though, so <laughs> I don't mind. Parkdale is um, a very interesting, colorful, and I don't even mean that as a euphemism. I mean, literally, there are so many people of color. <laughs> so it's a very colorful neighborhood. Um, and also like characters, a ton of characters in this neighborhood. Um, it's a neighborhood that I would say um, is in transition currently. It is a neighborhood that is slowly undergoing a very slow and steady process of gentrification. Uh, you know this, there are a couple of signs of that. There is a very wonderful but overpriced donut shop called Glory Hole Donuts on Queen Street. West, the very west end, closest to Ronsonsvale, um, which is still considered part of Parkdale's. Like that end of it is still considered technically Parkdale. Um, and you always know when you get one of those, you know, any sort of like niche sort of business like that that does really well um, means there's enough young money in the neighborhood to sustain a business like that means that that, bit, that neighborhood is changing. Uh, Parkdale, and I do, again, who knows in 10 years if this will still be true, it is generally called the landing strip of Toronto for new immigrants. 
Um, because the rental properties here are much more affordable, it's considered a bit out of the way um, for Toronto standards because it is off of a subway line. Not off of a, it's not off of a subway line is what I mean to say. It is off of a streetcar line. The King Streetcar and the Queen Streetcar are your access out of the neighborhood. And those are considered, streetcars are considered fairly unreliable for the most part. So that's not an attractive aspect of it, I guess. I mean, it depends on who you talk to. I'm sure other people are like, streetcars are great. Um, but yeah. There, we, I currently live in a building that is, has, has a bunch of gentrification in it. Um, it is owned by a building property management company that will remain unnamed. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, for the sake of this podcast, because it's public, you know it because you saw the sign outside. But um, I think it's funny that you said the building has a bunch of gentrification in it. Almost as if, like, oh. gentrification are people. Like, look, there's gentrification. Oh, yeah. Because you can do that. Yeah. Well, Jake and Sarah, when they moved in, were like, oh, look at us, we're part of the problem. Um, I guess I'm considered less so part of the problem, but I think I am also part of the problem. I'm a de definitely, it's just less obvious because of the um, color of my skin. Someone will look at me and be like, yeah, she totally belongs in Parkdale, but as soon as I start talking and they realize my age and my level of education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, just a whole host of other things. The fact that I'm wearing Lululemon leggings right now is probably a sign that the gentrification process is happening. It's slow, but it's steady and it's real. So the building management company that owns this owns a whole series of buildings all over Toronto and there are various websites protesting this building management company because they essentially come into poor neighborhoods. They find a building that's not doing so great and they buy it. And then now that building is being managed by this new company. And then they slowly, as people move out and say, oh, I'm, I'm moving somewhere else or I'm moving to Vancouver or whatever, I'm giving up my apartment. This very affordable apartment then goes through a pretty intense reno process, like this one that we are sitting in right now, and then they jack up the rent. So there are apparently still people who live in this building who have been here for years. Some people have been here for decades, and they have more what you would consider rent control departments by Toronto standards, because every year you can only raise your rent up by 10%. So even with the 10%, rental increase with, I imagine even if people have been here for 15 years, the 15 years ago rent was probably pretty cheap in Toronto. So if they're still staying here with 10% increase, that's still very cheap. <laughs> it's probably cheaper than they'll ever get for the size of the apartment that they currently live in. There's a lot of halfway homes in this neighborhood. I would say this home neighborhood is a neighborhood that encompasses people of all sorts of walks of life. So you have young millennials living in this neighborhood. You also have new immigrants and families. Um, you also have extremely wealthy people because just like a little north and over, and, or, or not north, sorry, south, near CNE, like if you go further down this way and then like a little bit over, the homes are quite big and also like crazy beautiful you're like what is how did these homes get built um yeah it's those houses on like spring and tindall that mm -hmm. should be 
three apartments, but you find out they're, they're a single, single home. Dwellings, yeah. Well, and I'm sure that the person who owns that home bought it way before the Toronto house, because for the land that they have, they actually, I bet they pay more in property tax for how big their, their home is sitting on a giant piece of land and they all, themselves have a giant home. So, which is very hard in Toronto to find generally. I like to think of it as specifically where I'm located within this neighborhood is I'm kind of at a crossroads between um, Little Italy, Kensington Market, and the Annex, even though I guess that's probably, as, as I've lived here longer, I've, I guess I've kind of come to realize that's not quite true because Kensington still is like a little bit more east and the, the Annex is like a little more north. Um, but I live on a quiet residential street with a lot of old Victorian homes, which are really beautiful. Um, and I really love the contrast, how like as soon as you sort of like leave this street, all of a sudden like it's busy and it's loud and there's like bars everywhere and people and um, a lot of restaurants and things. And just, it's a very like quirky, cool little neighborhood. I love Roncesville. Like I am so glad I live in this neighborhood now. Um, I think that's definitely my favorite part of the city. I like the annex. I lived there for seven years too. Um, I love going down to the beach, like the beaches, anywhere along the beach I really like. I wish the developments down there were nicer, like there weren't condos or like I, I, so, I so hate the fact that there's a massive hideaway dividing us from the water. It's too bad, but I understand like it's commerce. Um, I think um, the beach over at Scarborough Bluffs is amazing. Like there's just so many cool pockets of um, neighborhoods to, to go to and it's like, it's interesting. You can kind of like travel from country to country in one city, which is unique. I do, I do love, um, I love Kensington Market, although I don't go there as often now because I'm not as close. But where I used to live around Christie and DuPont, that was a major hangout spot. Sort of going down to Kensington, going to the, the, the closed off Sunday parties and seeing people dance and puppeteers in the streets and kids with face paint running around. It's, a, it's just a cool, it's like a weird microcosm within a much larger, diverse space, and I always love it. There is this, and everyone knows about this because it's like a filming location for things that have been filmed in Toronto, but if you take the King Streetcar from Broadview Station south, um, down, the, uh, down Broadview, um, there's a spot and it's right across the street from a Greek Orthodox church and you look out west and you've got the most perfect view of Toronto. Um, and like I get emotional when I'm there and it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic and it really, you just get to see the whole city right from the waterfront all the way up and if you, it's a beautiful day, you can see all the way up to sort of Shepherd and Young and um, you know, like this is a place where people live, this is great, this is, this is where I live um, and that's, that's really wonderful. Um, I love Hyde Park. I've always loved Hyde Park. As a kid, we went to Hyde Park so much. And uh, now, um, you know, mostly I've, I've run, I run in Hyde Park now, but it's still a beautiful, I think it's one of the most beautiful uh, parks in the city. It's kind of mysterious and, um, and it always, you always seem to like get lost in it. 
Um, the first one that came into my head as soon as you asked the question was Trinity Bellwoods and the White Squirrel um, Cafe across the street. Um, and that little strip with like type books there and like, Type is one of probably my favorite bookstores in the whole city. And then and when, I, when I was in my younger university days and had like more time on my, not that I actually had that much time. What am I even saying? But that I had, I don't know. I would do frivolous things like, I'm gonna buy a book at Type and then cross the street and read in Trinity Bellwoods in the summer. And it seems to have exploded in like recent years as like this phenomenon in Toronto. <laughs> like this park has always been here, and yet, um, but yeah, I think it's just like it's it's big enough, and it's got all these different elements to it. Like there's the baseball diamonds, there's the tennis courts that I know, but I go, no goes to, but they're there. Trinity Bellwoods now is quite hipstery and like very full all the time in the summer. I almost find it borderline crowded. There's the dog bowl where all the dogs run around, the off-leash dog park. And of course, off that dog park is Hipster Hill, where you can, where people sit and, maybe they're not necessarily hipsters, but it's fun to call them that. So now not always my favorite place, but there, it still holds such resonance for me for like the simplicity and the beauty of it. Um, yeah, and I think it's just like, it's really gotten crazy in the last couple of years. But basically the, the plan is like in the summer on a nice day, you ride over with your bike. I love biking through there. Um, it's a great shortcut between Dundas and Queen when you're on your bike. You're like, oh, I'll just, I'll just drive this bike. And you have a pack a blanket, you bring some refreshments, um, perhaps a book or a magazine or what have you. Um, and you just kind of get to the park and you find a spot and you sort of settle down and um, you message your friends or, or they message you and come and meet up. Um, the dog bowl is there, There's always, it always feels like it's full of life and activity, particularly like well early spring. Like people, it's cold, but people are itching to already be in Trinity Bellwoods and then like well into late fall, people are holding on to their dying days of summer and yeah, and you just kind of hang out all day in the sun, which and I, because I think you just want to take advantage of the good weather when it's good here, because it's so bad so often. I just can't. I hate winter. Like the the thing I hate most about Toronto is winter. Like, I just like the. It's like too cold today. It is April twenty fifth. It should be nice. There should be buds on the trees by now. Well, I don't know, but by my calendar, there should be buds on the trees by now. Like the little blooms outside should not be fighting for life every night against a frost. Like, this is absurd. It starts in November. This past year it was like end of October. And it's now the end of April. And it's, so that's seven months. It's too much. I'm so fed up. I think Toronto in the winter for visitors is garbage. And I would never recommend anyone come here in the winter. We have a very, we have a very lively arts and culture scene. We're like bursting at the seams in some ways. There's so much going on in theater, dance and music. Um, there's so many 
different parts of the community, they almost function on their own, which is weird because sometimes you run into somebody within that community you've never met before. Um, but they're part of some other microcosm within a microcosm. Particularly because Toronto being one of the major cities in the country is a hub for a bunch of different national organizations. So like the National Ballet of Canada, the Canadian Opera Company, all of these are national organizations. They have national or Canadian in the name for goodness sakes. Um, World Stage, Canadian Stage Company, um, or Can Stage, whatever. Um, these are companies that presumably they are in Toronto because it has the largest population and therefore the largest audience by which to draw from. Um, and they do a, a whole breadth of programming. So within the country, I would say Toronto is probably has the liveliest, most varied arts and culture scene that you can get within, within the boundaries of this country. In that respect, it's, that's, it's a beautiful thing. And um, I think the downside of that sometimes is that there's, there's so many people that want to express themselves and they want to do work that um, it's kind of hard to find that, that closeness within the community. And uh, I think it's, I think a lot of younger companies like that I, I'm aware of and that I know of are really trying to, to push that envelope and find ways to, to work with other companies in unique ways and kind of push things forward uh, and to, to give people a taste of what, what we really can offer. But I think it's just difficult. It's just so expensive and space is so expensive. Um, so I think that's the one challenge of it. But I think the, the, the upside is, is that there's so much to experience. You can literally walk down a street and find something that's arts oriented and have a good time. And so for me, it's like, well, it's not necessarily, the art is not very accessible in Toronto, I would say, based on a financial um, stat alone. It's not particularly, there's not a lot of type of types of it happening in a, in a way that's accessible via its geography and its, um, organization and structure. Like if I want to see a comedy show, I have to take several, like I have to move away from the theater district to go do that. Like I have to go to Ossington and Bloor where all the comedy clubs are now currently. The hip ones, the cool ones, the ones where good stuff is happening, like Bad Dog and Comedy Bar are all at Ossington and Bloor, which is very far from say like the DuPont uh, Bather Strip where you have Factory, Tarragon, um, TPM not so far away from that Bathurst Queen area. You're not really in, like that's one streetcar going north-south that you can take and hit three theaters. You're not really in the same neighborhood. Um, they're so, everything's a bit isolated in that way. Um, there isn't a district where you can like show up and then like see a bunch of, like, it's interesting to me that we don't have, our city isn't designed around a lot of those things or don't have those things. Whereas often in other cities, like, have more of those things integrated in their design and their structure and they, and so that's an interesting choice as well. Um, and that we're a young scene. I think I have to always remind myself that when I get frustrated by the where we are as a community. In our arts in Toronto, we're very young. 
So there's not always a lot. I think I wish I, I, want, I wanted stuff more challenging or more fascinating or more groundbreaking than I, I'm actually getting most of the time from specifically the theater scene and then also from like the art scene as a whole. Um, there are some companies bringing in international touring productions like World Stage is really good at the Harbor Fund. I think they do a really good job. Um, big ups to Tina Rasmussen because she's really killing it all the time with her programming. Um, Canadian Stage does too, but I find them a little hit and miss. Like sometimes I'm like, I don't really want to see that weird show that you brought from is, you know, and then another show they bring in and is amazing and is absolutely phenomenal. But so I feel like they're, they're still trying to find their ground. But what's also difficult about that is you're named Canadian Stage and yet most of your season is an international show. So like that's a bit of a maybe rename your theater company or like rebrand yourself or like change your mandate or something. I don't, it's hard to sometimes always understand. We're constantly in this push and pull where we're like trying to make work and produce work and still get our voices out there while at the same time balancing that with the need to bring in other art that challenges the way we make art. Um, I think like every day I wish it was easier to get around Toronto. So like, I know it's so cliche at this point, but like more transit. Ugh, please. Toronto's transit system is... I hate the public transit so much. You know what? We probably don't give it enough credit because it's, it's definitely not as bad as some other cities. It's fairly simple to understand. Um, and, uh, but I think other than that, like it's a pretty, I feel like democracy works here pretty well. So, um, yeah, just more transit. I wish our government worked better. <laughs> I wish particularly at the municipal level, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just so fed up, uh, particularly with people who think that that all, the, all three levels of government should just stick to the things that they were relegated to back in the day when we first signed everything. I, I think that's just boo-hickey, that's bull-cocky. I think it's probably, the city's probably changing in the same way that society is changing as a whole and that I think there's um, a huge amount of attention on things uh, like the police, which is really important. So Black Lives Matter Toronto being at City Hall um, and talking about the death of Andrew Loku and other uh, people who have been killed by police. And there's a huge amount of scrutiny on the police right now um, that I think maybe didn't exist uh, in previous years. But that's not just not Toronto, that's Canada-wide, that's North America. Um, people are very concerned about policing, um, but it has been very visible here in the city and that's been really heartening. But I do hope that through stuff like Black Lives Matter and, and through that sort of advocacy that we can sort of move to being a more sort of just and equitable city. Uh, and we have real opportunities to do that, but we need buy-in. We need buy-in not just from activists and from, you know, individual people, but from, you know, the mayor's office, from our MPs and MPPs and councillors and, um, the chief of police and the people who matter, the people whose names you know and who appear on Metro Morning in the morning. We need, we need that 
buy-in and it needs to be structural and institutional. Um, and it can't just be, you know, oh yeah, you're doing, you're doing good work and then just have it not go anywhere. You know, um, you need people to take ownership. You can, you can walk onto a streetcar and, and connect with somebody and have a great conversation if you're, if you're willing. If you're willing to take your earbuds out for a second and stop looking at your phone, there's a million stories and, and there's so many amazing people that you can just make connections with. And I, I, I've traveled to other places in the world and I've not always felt the same like that. I don't think you can always do that in other places in the world like that. There's just like something about Toronto, it's just like people kind of bumping up against each other and being slightly uncomfortable is sort of what makes this place unique. Thank you for listening. This week's contributing voices are Victoria James, Mary Jane Watson, M and K, and Little Marty Cho Cho. If you have been enjoying We Muse Aloud, please subscribe to it on iTunes. Rating and reviewing the podcast will help greatly to bring it to the attention of people who have yet to discover it. You can follow us on Twitter at We Muse Aloud and like us at facebook.com slash we muse aloud. Please consider telling someone new about the podcast. We depend on your help to grow our audience. In the late 1970s, a rock band in Toronto made the daring decision to name themselves, Toronto. Their most popular song contained the refrain, Your daddy don't know what your mama's gonna do tonight. As a child, I often wondered what it was she was going to do, and why her husband didn't just ask her.